My parents, Grant and Cy Foster, have always talked about going on a service mission for our church together someday for as long as I can remember. But the plan was always for them to leave after retirement age. They shocked my siblings and me about a year ago at Christmas time when they announced to our family that they'd be leaving on an 18-month mission to Barcelona, Spain in 2020. Not because my dad was retiring early, but because they felt extremely impressed that this was the will of the Lord. Today, we talk through both of their atypical journeys in faith and growing up in less than ideal circumstances as young church members, where my dad gained his burning love for missionary work and how my mom became truly converted to the gospel, and the crazy backstory of deciding to put my dad's career on hold for 18 months to serve as missionaries for a year and a half in Spain. You'll also learn more about what senior missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints typically do and what their advice is to anyone else considering serving a mission. Okay, tonight I have some very special guests with me who are two people that I know better than probably anyone else because I knew them before anyone else, and they are my dear parents— my dad, Grant Foster, and my mom, Cy Foster, who a lot of you know as a bountiful kitchen. She has been on the podcast before, but tonight we I roped my parents in at 10.34 p.m. to doing a podcast interview about their service as full-time missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that they were actually set apart as full-time missionaries tonight, and they start their missionary service training tomorrow, so... It's a really exciting time, and I'm super grateful to have them carve out the time to do this podcast interview with me before they leave. So say hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Um, and my and to give a little bit of background, too, my mom, so she runs the blog, A Bountiful Kitchen, which is a food blog. And then my dad, up until basically today, has been practicing as a patent attorney for how many years now, Dad? 30. 30 years pretty impressive. So, but now they're going to turn their full time and attention over to serving as full time missionaries for our church. So, I want to start with a little bit of a backstory and talk about where my dad's passion for missionary work came and then we'll talk about my mom's uh, membership in the church and kind of her background in the church and then we'll get into what their current mission calling is all about and what senior missionaries do within our church. So dad, let's start with you and just share how your love for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ came about at an early age. Okay. Well, so as probably a lot of people listening know in our church, there are a lot of young men and young women who leave back when I served they leave, the, the young men would leave at 19 and the young women would, would leave at 21 to serve full-time missions. Uh, for the young men, it would be two years. And for the young women, it would be, it'd be a year and a half. And I was raised in a family where we adhered to what we would call gospel principles. Um, my mom and dad were active members of, of our church and uh, I have a brother and two sisters who were, uh, we were all active as a family. Um, and then unfortunately, as life happens sometimes, my mom and dad, uh, they got divorced. And I was a sophomore in high school, and that was hard. It was hard for a lot of reasons. It was especially hard 
in terms of all things religious because I didn't have a, a lot of faith in what we had been taught. And so I drifted. Mm-hmm. And I, as a result, I, I, only, I remember going to one day of seminary in high school, one day, and obviously didn't work out too well. So I decided <laughs> not to go back. Um, and I, I did go to church for the most part in high school, mostly because my dad wanted me to. And I hung out with a lot of jocks. I was an athlete. I played football, baseball, and basketball in high school. And so that was kind of my world. And, and those are the people that I hung out with, the, the, the boys that I hung out with. And the thing that maybe is the most interesting is that none of my close friends, not one of them, ever served missions. Mm. So I didn't take the typical route to going on a mission. A lot of young men, they focus on, back back in my day, they'd focus on that 19th birthday, they'd prepare and then be ready to go. Uh, for me, it was, it was definitely not something that I had high on my radar screen. I remember uh, my buddy from high school, Cub, uh, he and I stopped to get a buffalo burger at Porter's Place in Lehigh. And some kid whose name to this day, I don't even have any idea who he was, sat down and he talked about his mission experience. And he didn't sugarcoat it. He talked about how it was hard, but he kept saying the best two years of my life. And, and that's a little bit, we hear that in our, in our world, in our culture, though it's the best two years. And, and he, he said it over and over. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not a good student. I'm not that good of an athlete. I knew that wasn't my future. And maybe the best two years, I mean, I can endure anything. I, again, I had no religious foundation for this thought or decision, but I thought I could probably endure it. And so I decided to sign up. And so I reported to the MTC. I got a mission call, honestly, did not even know where the mission of Chilo, Chile Osorno is I didn't even know what continent it was on, sadly. I was pretty... Yeah, and most kids now, like, it's kind of a big deal thing. The whole family gathers, and that wasn't the case for you, right? No. I, in fact, I grabbed the my mission call out of the mail and tore the envelope open before I got to the front door. <laughs> and I'm by myself. And I walk in, I open the atlas, and eventually I found it in South America. But I didn't know, I didn't even know which the country, which country. I didn't know if it was Chile or, or Osorno, because in our world, the way the mission calls come, they put the name of the country first and the city second. So in any event, I opened it. I immediately called my dad. Hey, dad, guess what? I'm going on a mission to Chile Osorno. And uh, anyway, we, we talked about it. And then... Uh, then I reported to the MTC, but but when I got there, sadly, I just was thinking it was going to be really awful and it was going to be an endurance test. But I, f- I figured I was tough enough. My dad taught me to work hard. I could power through anything, even for a couple of years, for the best two years, right? Right. And then I started to experience things I'd never experienced before. And I mean, it would, it, it would probably take too long to really say everything that happened. But most importantly was I cracked open the Book of Mormon. And I'm pretty sure that I had never read any book of any significant 
volume up to that point in my life. So no, I mean, some short books for sure. Studying for tests, yeah, you crack books open, but never a book to cover to cover. I started to read and I couldn't stop. I loved what I read. It made me feel so good. And what happened as well is I'm experiencing all these other things in the Mission Training Center that just, I felt good about myself. My spirit was lifted and I literally realized that I could learn, I could memorize, I could understand things that I'd never been able to before and I just couldn't stop. I couldn't put the Book of Mormon down. about I know this story is one of my very favorite stories that um, about you kind of going around the rules of how many hours a day you could read tell us just briefly how you managed to read the Book of Mormon also so quickly in the MTC the Missionary Training Center well like I said I when I started to read it I I was just taken by it and I would read it on the breaks and we'd get to the end of the day and there would be a rule that the lights would need to be out at, I don't remember if it was 10 or 10.30. You couldn't have a light on in the room because there'd be hall monitors kind of making sure that everybody's got their lights on. There aren't parties going on. And I didn't have a flashlight or a headlamp, but I, I wanted to keep reading. So I found that if I laid my scriptures on the windowsill, the light outside of the window illuminated the pages of scripture and I, uh, enough that I could read. And so I pulled up a chair right next to the windowsill and I just kept reading and I read and I read. And the scriptures use a word that just is so appropriate. It, it talks about how feelings of the spirit can be delicious. And that's how it was to me. I, I, my soul hungered. I just wanted more. And I, I read the Book of Mormon and just a couple of weeks and I I just never stopped. When I finished the Book of Mormon, I read the New Testament and then I read the Doctrine and Covenants and I finished all of those in the eight weeks that we were in the MTC. So that started a journey that really never stopped as a missionary. I just couldn't learn enough. These feelings, I'd never had them before. And the contrast of coming from a broken family where I really didn't feel like there was good direction spiritually to all of a sudden I am feeling things I'd never felt before. Started my journey and then my mission was an unbelievably powerful experience for me. And that is really what happened by the time I met mom. And maybe now she can share some of that. Right. And I've always been so inspired by your love for missionary work, dad, and your passion for the Book of Mormon and and mom mentioned in her talk today that that was the thing that attracted, I think it was in your talk where you said that was one of the most attractive things about dad was his love for missionary work. But leading up to that, you didn't also, you also didn't have the typical church member upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that mom and where, mm -hmm. where you came from? Right. Well, my, my father was member of our church and had pioneer ancestors and um, was raised in our in the same church. 
and he joined the Navy at a very young age, right when he got out of high school and left Delta, Utah, and joined the Navy and really never came back after that. So I I believe he was 18 when he joined the Navy. He was stationed in Japan and met my mom in Okinawa and they worked together on a base and um, got married and and I was born in Japan along with my brother and my mom was not a member of the church and my dad really was never active in the church after he left home. He, I think, promised his mother that he would take his children to church. My parents um, dropped us off at church for years on Sundays and then came back. I think they went out to eat and then they would come back and pick us up. And we went to church until I graduated from primary. And when I was 12 years old, I remember my dad said, if you want to keep going to church, we'll keep taking you. But if you don't, that's fine. And so at that time, I really, I didn't want to go to church. By that point, we realized we were different was just my brother and me and you know going to primary without your parents was one thing you know most people didn't have their parents at primary but going to church on Sunday and going to sacrament meeting it just we were always people would invite us to sit with them but it just always felt we just knew we were a little out of place and Mm -hmm. and the members of our ward were very loving and accepting and and I think now I think back on it and I realize my dad was a chain smoker and we would drive, you know, 15, 20 minutes to church. They would drop us off. And I'm sure we just reeked of smoke when we walked in and the ward members were always, they were just always so loving. And we would sit with other families, you know, with families. And, but by the time I was 12 years old, I really, I didn't want to do that. So I stopped going to church and then I went, I, I started going back when I was in high school. I had kind of a, a traumatic thing happen. A, a friend of mine passed away in a car accident and that kind of got me going back to church again. And I think I was, I was looking for comfort and for answers and I became active in the church again, kind of off and on, like maybe my senior year and then I moved away and went to college and and you know kind of drifted away a little bit more just off and on and then when I went down to I ended up in Utah and living with some of my dad's family and ended up in St. George just you know not by mistake I think it was just you know the I look back and I can just see the Lord just picking me up and and placing me different places and at different times in my life. And that was definitely one of them. And, you know, within the first week I was in St. George, I met your dad. So at that point I was surrounded by a group of girls. It just felt like, it felt like I was just surrounded by people who were just loving me into the gospel. That's so. awesome. And so just to make a lot, a lot of life story shorter, after that, you guys got married in the temple. You had four kids. You raised us in the gospel. And I have just the best memories of, you know, having my, my parents teach me about 
the Book of Mormon and the gospel of Jesus Christ and about having a savior and going to church and having so many faith building, testimony building experiences all through my life. So to fast forward, now you guys have been married for how many years? 37 years. Mm -hmm. And so, but about two years ago, it's been almost two years, right? You guys kind of had this seed planted about serving a mission. So how did that, how did this whole ball start rolling? Early in 2017, we went back to visit your dad's mission in Chile. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time he had been back there in you know, 30, what, 37 or 38 years at the time. 36, I think, at the time. Yeah. And we went down there and we had some really amazing, just tender mercies, missionary experiences. And we were able to visit some of the people he baptized and some of the people that, um, that really meant a lot to him. And, As we were traveling in the airport, we met a mission president and his wife, his companion, and they were at the airport. They were um, bringing a missionary to the airport that had to return home early for health reasons. And we got into a conversation with them. And during that conversation, um, we were talking to them as a couple and then also separately and at one point, she asked me if we were going to serve a mission. I said, yeah, we're we're planning on it. We've been planning on it for our whole married life. And, and she said, well, don't wait too long. Don't wait until you are, you know, she said, do it while you're young. And she said, if you put in your papers today, we would take you tomorrow. We need senior missionary couples desperately. And, um... I remember I got on the plane and we talked about, you know, how just they were just very dynamic, very. I felt something when she said that to me. It just went right to my heart. And I told your dad and that was in February, January, February of 2017. And and I said, I just really felt something when she said that to me. And I said, I just felt like I could serve a mission. And at that time, Jake was on his mission. We were empty nesters. And, um, your dad said to me, well, that's great, but you know, I still need to work for another 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So, you know, and that was really the first time I had really felt that in my heart. That was your first time that you had an experience where your heart Mm -hmm. really was pulled in that direction. Yeah. So then what happened? Right. And then we had the opportunity that same year, we were really blessed. We were able to go to Israel And we spent a couple of weeks there with a man, Garland Dennett, who just was, I think for both of us, that was a life-changing experience. We've, we've been blessed and been able to travel all over the world and, and do a lot of fun things and pursue hobbies and interests and, and take, you know, you guys on our kids on a lot of really fun vacations. And, but we had a few months where we could travel and um some time that grant had off of work your dad had off work and we decided we were going to go to the holy land and so we booked this trip and it was just us and a guide and a driver for two weeks and we became very close with garland and um we just i mean i was so fascinated with i think we both were with his 
desire to just teach people about the gospel of Jesus Christ and about his life and really what the Savior did while he was on the earth for that short time. And and I think it was being in those places, walking where he walked, being able to read scripture and read what accounts of the Savior and his life and experience. I mean, drink from wells where he, he drank and walk in, you know, in holy places. It was just, for us, it was life-changing. And at the end of the trip, Garland said, my only ask of you, um, and he did say that he normally just takes groups, but he felt, I think he told us both that he felt like he was supposed to just take us. He agreed to do that. And he said, I could take a, a group, but I'm just taking you. And he said, so so my ask is that you will go back and teach people what you felt here and what you've learned. And when he said that, I mean, normally people come back and have a little slideshow, which we did and we shared with a few people. But I just felt at that time that it was going to be more than that. It was it was not just that. And and that trip, I think, changed us. We and that, we, that trip was yeah. a was a game changer. And I I felt like the most powerful aspect of that trip was every place we stopped, whether it was the Sea of Galilee, whether it was Capernaum, whether it was in the ancient city of Jerusalem, we would stop and he, and Garland would hand mom three different scriptures printed on a white piece of paper and me too. And we would sit down and read scripture in every single location that tied the scriptures to where we were. It was so powerful. And then we discuss, you know, what had happened there and how we felt. And so you came back and I remember when you guys shared how powerful some of those experiences were that you shared. You were feeling those things, but still the only seed that had been planted really was that woman just making that comment in passing, mm-hmm. right? So then mm-hmm. what happened? So uh, at that point, back at work, uh, and this is at my prior firm, I'm at a different firm now, and we were about to make a change to a new firm because of a particular client. This is a significant client, and we had an opportunity to do work for them, so we were about to change firms. When I say we, my brother Brett and a group of intellectual property attorneys. And so uh, Craig Galley was was a partner at my former firm. He called me into his office and said, hey, Grant, I've, I've just been called to serve as mission president in the uh, Spain-Barcelona mission. And when the mission president was explaining, the, the president was who was presiding at the time, mm-hmm. uh, so this would have been the fall of 2017, he said, your name came to mind. The whole time he's talking to me about, you know, how he involves different people in the mission, your name keeps coming to mind. And my initial reaction was, oh, that's great, Craig, you know, because at that point he's just Craig Galley to me, but I, I'm way too young and he didn't know it at the time, but I knew I'd be moving firms. So I just said, I'm honored, I'm flattered, but it's just the timing is just not right. And uh, so months went by and I would, I would, I thought about it every day and I didn't really say much to mom for a couple months, but then when these feelings kept recurring on a daily basis, I finally went to her and I said, Honey, I'm having these feelings. 
every day. I'm thinking about it every day. And she just, again, says, oh, it's just, we're, it's just not in the cards. We're, we're too young. And so I let a little bit more time pass another month or so. And I, I told her, I said, honey, I don't know why, but I, I'm thinking about this every day. And then. This is February of 2018. Right. 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 Yeah. And we were discussing this and I thought, well, shoot, if you're thinking about this every day, then there's probably a reason. I guess we have to address (laughs) this. Yeah. And so we had state conference coming up and our state president at that time had, you know, come and talk to our our ward and our stake and had put out this, you know, invitation to. To come with a question. And, and that was something he taught a lot. He a taught lot. to prepare yeah. for state conference or another significant meeting so that you could receive personal right. revelation. Right. So he said, come with a question and, and fast and pray about it and, and prepare to receive an answer. And for those who don't know what state conference is, that's like a pretty big regional kind of meeting that people within a certain geographic area meet twice isn't it twice a year Mm -hmm. and kind of the leaders over that whole entire area speak with different um council and themes and things like that it it would be like 10 or so smaller congregations getting together for one big one Mm -hmm. and doing it twice a year right okay for a few thousand people so So he invited us to do that as a stake, and we went to the meeting on a Saturday evening. This is an adult-only meeting, that session that they have. And um, we went to that meeting, we sat down, and every song, every prayer, every talk that was given, we just felt like was directed toward us. Every there was so much talk about the literal gathering of Israel, the, you know, uh, about how important that was, about our prophet, President Nelson, speaking and and sharing about how that was the most important work going on in the earth today, the most important thing for us to be doing. But it was just little things like that. All throughout that meeting, there were all kinds of little messages to us and we we went wanting to know if we should go on a mission and if we should, what the timing would be. And we came away from that meeting. We walked out of there and we just, we knew we were supposed to go and we were supposed to go um, as soon as we possibly could. Well, there were so, little things, yeah. but there were things that were, in my opinion. There were big opinion, things too. Things yeah. that clubbed us over the head. Right. I mean, just real quickly, for example, I sat down and read about three or four verses of scripture from the Book of Mormon. And that's all I had time before the meeting started. And to to read those scriptures, I decided to back up in the in the in Alma. I was reading in the book of Alma. I backed up like two chapters because I wanted to go over how these two missionaries, these famous missionaries from the Book of Mormon, got together. And I wanted to know the mindset of this missionary named named Amulek. Mm-hmm. And he's I, one of my favorites too. Yeah. So I only had a little bit of time, and the first speaker opens her scriptures and proceeds to read the same precise scriptures that I had read just before the meeting started. This was the first talk. 
Mm-hmm. That was the, okay, Grant, you better wake up kind right. of moment. And I leaned over to your mom and I just said, unreal. And I, that's all I had time to say, but she didn't know what I had read and we explained it later. But anyway, that was the first of, like mom said, just probably at least a half a dozen, if not seven or eight different powerful messages from our Heavenly Father that we needed. The answer is yes. You need to go. (laughs) Go now. And go now. So, but you guys really feel like Heavenly Father just made all the pieces fall right into place. And that was really cool to hear your stake president, who also was your partner at your law firm, kind of talk about how all these pieces fell right into place. I mean, a perfect example is that as a tender mercy. When when we were negotiating our, with our new law firm, Nolan Taylor was the, and still is the managing partner of the Dorsey and Whitney Salt Lake office. And in that exact state conference where we had all these amazing revelatory experiences, he became our stake president. (laughs) So, I mean, how, that is not a coincidence. That is absolutely a tender mercy. And then of course, fast forward to earlier in, well, it was, I guess we're now in 2020. So in early 2019, I, it was March or April when I sat down with him, I said, Nolan or President Taylor, you, you're going to have to decide the hat you're going to wear <laughs> because he's both. He's Nolan to me at work, but President Taylor for church things. Um, we're going to go on a mission and told him the whole story. And we've, we, he's been nothing but supportive on both sides of that, on the work side and then helping us figure it out on the as our stake president. So when you guys have shared this news with your friends and even like on social media, because you have a presence online, mom, what are the things that people ask you about? I'm sure there are people who are super curious about you guys deciding to do this when you're in your fifties, which is very rare, right? Right. Right. One of the questions, I mean, I get asked a few questions over and over again. One of the questions is, um, well, I always get asked, do you speak Spanish? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, uh, it's very, very small amount for me. And your dad is still fluent in Spanish. He's worked really hard to preserve his Spanish from his mission. So, um, that's a question I get a lot. And I, you do as senior missionaries, you get language training through the MT, the mission training center, and it's online and with young missionaries. They go to the mission training center and they stay there for a period of time and they get this intensive language training for senior missionaries. You get it before your mission mm-hmm. online. And then once you get out in the field, you get it for four additional months and then you have time to study the language. So that's, that's probably the question I get asked most often. I get asked um, the question um, a lot. Are you retiring? Right. Um, you know, which um, your dad's not retiring. He is going back to work in 18 months. We, you know, we still, he needs work for a 
few more she years. wants me out of the house <laughs> yeah. no but we're that's not we're not retiring and, right and so we've had to we're not using retirement money for this we we were really blessed um that and I mean I know you and I have had this conversation the money that we you and the other question that kind of goes along with that is do you pay to go on a mission? Or right, or is the church paying right. you guys to go? Or yeah. right. And as senior missionaries, I mean, when you're a younger missionary, you either save your money, you know, kids have mission funds. Um, it's four hundred or five hundred dollars, I guess they raise. For younger it, right? missionaries, right. Yeah. Five hundred dollars a month for young missionaries. And which um, would but, be like an an eighteen year old boy or a nineteen year old girl right, typically. Right. But for senior missionaries, you have to pay it's according to where you live. And there's an across the board amount, I believe, for rent. Isn't that right? Yes. But other than that, the living expenses depend on where you live. So if you're, I think one of the least expensive missions is where our son Stephen was on his mission. The last time I looked, it was Mexico. the yeah. Mexico Puebla missions were one of the least expensive. They were under $1,000 a month for a couple. Wow. And that might have gone up a little now. That was when we first started looking a couple of years ago. And some of the most expensive missions are like Europe. New York, New York, or, mm-hmm. or Europe, London, you know, yeah. places like that. But um, it all depends on where you go. And you do fund that as missionaries. You have to have insurance. You have to pay for that. And um, you have to pay a certain amount. So as well as maintain whatever you left behind at right. home. Right. And if you're not of retirement age, if you're not retired and have a retirement income, then yeah, you have to figure that all out. So you have to be prepared. It, right. It's the the only way you're going to be able to serve the Lord as senior missionaries is to prepare, prepare financially, get your house in order, make sure you, that you deal with debt in a, in a very manageable way. And luckily for your mom and me, we, are we've we've worked really hard to minimize our debt and that's the only way it's it's been possible. That's yeah. amazing. So yeah, so we and and because I firmly believe that the success that I've had in a bountiful kitchen, I mean that was that's just extra income that we've had and we didn't ever rely on that as income, you know, your dad's job has always paid for all of our expenses. And, and so that was extra income and we were just able to, and really this blog took off a couple years ago. And that money is what we are using to pay for this mission. And I just, I just firmly believe that that was a blessing from the Lord because we were willing to serve and, and that happened, you know, that income came in for this reason. And that's what we're using it for is to, to serve this mission. So um, that's a question I get a lot. Another question I get a lot is um, what what will happen to your blog while you're gone? Right. A lot of you people know? are very yeah. worried about that. <laughs> yeah. And I just tell people there are hundreds of recipes. I think, I don't know, last time we, I think... It's between seven and eight hundred recipes on a bountiful kitchen, and they'll all still be there. And I've also cooked for the last year and cooked create, ahead, right? Mm-hmm. I cooked ahead, created content that I haven't posted yet, and that will go up. And 
And the galleys have talked to us about, they would like us to continue to, they want me to continue to share on social media and, and, and go ahead and just continue with the blog. And, and I've set it up in a way so that, that I have people that work with me who will be able to manage a lot of that. And, you know, things will just kind of go on and, and we'll be able to share about a mission and, and also, you know, share probably regional, you know, things that we're eating and cooking there and, and things that I've already cooked ahead of time. So, um, yeah, what a blessing yeah. yeah, for you guys yeah. and for all the people who have been touched by a bountiful kitchen too. So, yeah. um, I just want to briefly talk about too, what, if, if people are listening to this and they're like, this sounds great, but what, what exactly do senior missionaries do? Because, I think a lot of people have at least interacted or seen or heard of missionaries from our church, whether it's from the Book of Mormon musical or they've literally seen missionaries from our church proselyting, knocking door to door. What do senior missionaries do typically? Like, what are what do you guys anticipate doing on this mission? Well, one of the greatest aspects of serving a senior mission is you you can really be selective as far as what you can do, the time, the location, um, even the specific things that you're doing as a missionary. There are some missionaries that simply serve in one location and they they serve in a visitor center and they greet visitors. And for us, we will be in charge of the young adults in Spain in a certain geographic region. Um, the galleys have told us they want us to be in the Mallorca or the island of Mallorca in the Balearic Islands, which are south of, of Spain. And so we will be in charge of the young single adults in the islands, the island of Ibiza, uh, Mallorca, and Menorca. And so that's what we will be in charge of, as well as helping President Galley with missionaries and training. Uh, it could change. He may reassign us at some point. But uh, other missions that you could do as, as senior missionaries might be um, a lot of times senior missionaries go to the office and just simply help with office work and logistics, mission cars and apartments and making sure that the missionaries have places to sleep and cars to drive and make sure that their money is being managed in the right way. Because when when a missionary is serving a mission, each month the mission president will make available to that missionary a certain amount of money that they budget and again, this is money paid by the families or somebody else for that missionary. And for young missionaries, as, as your mom said, it's $500 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, it's, there's a, a fixed amount for in or for the housing and for the car. And the rest of it is, is going to be on us. And so, and, and, and even the car and the, and the housing is not paid for. We pay for that as well. It's just fixed across the board right. for each mission. So, Lots of different opportunities there, even for the younger missionaries now. There are not just the proselytizing missions. There are uh, missions that you can do uh, as as younger missionaries that are where you can stay at home and 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 serve out of your home. There's just a lot more options now than ever before. And that's really cool that the church has made mission service available to so many people who have different needs and different. Um, health concerns and all kinds of things and, you know, mental health and just really catering to allowing a lot of people to have missionary experiences, which is really cool. 
I want to go back and touch too quickly on how you guys mentioned that our prophet, President Nelson, has said so many times, he's talked about the gathering of Israel. What does that mean? In general, what does that mean? And then what does it mean to your missionary experience and service? Like, how has that influenced you guys wanting to serve a mission? The gathering of Israel is basically spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Um, The prophet defined the gathering of Israel basically as giving everybody, all of God's children, on both sides of the veil. And when we say veil, we mean in this life or the next life. There's a veil that we pass when we when we end end this mortal existence and go into the into the next existence. There's a veil that we go through. So when I say on both sides of the veil, we talk about people who have passed before us, and then on this side of the veil on earth and. Everybody gets the opportunity to hear the gospel. And if they want to hear more, it's up to them. That is the way our prophet has defined the gathering of Israel. And those who accept it, then they are baptized. And as missionaries, you you find people to teach, teach them the doctrines of faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them to endure to the end that those are the principles of the gospel and that's what missionaries teach as they gather Israel and the prophet has told us some really neat things in in June of 2018 our prophet president nelson talked about the gathering of Israel among the youth and here's just a neat little quote that I'd like to share he said my dear extraordinary youth you were sent to earth at this precise time, the most critical time in the history of the world to help gather Israel. There's nothing happening on this earth right now that is more important than that. There's nothing of greater consequence, absolutely nothing. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. And boy, that resonated with mom and me when we listened to his words and That's what the gathering of Israel is. That's why there's so many missionaries from our church throughout the world. And we go to the ends of the earth. You know, when I served 40 years ago as a missionary, I was in the Patagonia of Chile. And that was truly one of the the ends of the earth. And now we go to Spain, a different part of the Lord's vineyard to teach the gospel and help gather Israel. Mom, what are your feelings about our prophets call to gather Israel and what you guys are going to do in the next 18 months. When he has spoken to us about the gathering of Israel, I talked about this a few months ago in a, in a talk that I gave that, you know, we've heard about the gathering of Israel. That's something that if you are a member of our church, I mean, I feel like I've heard about that from the time I was, you know, a teenager until now. And I just never really could wrap my head around that. Like, what does that mean? What does that really mean to me? It just seemed like something that we talked about that related to like biblical times. And, you know, it just never really resonated with me and never really, I could never really get a grasp on how I fit into the literal gathering of Israel. And That's all changed for me in the last few years. I think it started with really my 
understanding of that really started to grow when we went to Israel and it started to just really, that started to really have meaning to me. And then as President Nelson has spoken to us about that in, it seems like almost every address he's made Mm -hmm. since he was, um, since he became the prophet and has talked about how there is no other work that is more important that's going on on the earth right now. I felt, and we've talked about this a lot, that I've been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ for a long time. And there have been so many years when it seemed like it was just easy to be a member of the church, to be Mm -hmm. a follower of Jesus Christ, um, to be even a Mormon, as you know, we used to refer to ourselves as. And for so many years, that just seemed easy, really. I mean, even though we have standards that are maybe different than a lot of other churches or groups, it just really was. Um, and, and in my patriarchal blessing, which is a special blessing that's given just, you know, to me that uh, through priesthood authority, in that blessing, it talks about how members of the church in my lifetime are respected by most people. And when I was giving that blessing back in, you know, the late seventies, I, I think about that over my lifetime. And I think that's true, but now things, you just see a real shift in what's gone on in the world and that really the Lord's coming again. And I think that's why, you know, there's just been such a shift towards this is the time. This is the time that we need to make sure that everybody on the earth has opportunity to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, I just feel really privileged to have a part in that at all. And to finally feel like, okay, I, I think I'm starting to understand what the gathering of Israel is about and why that's so important. And, and I'm so grateful that that I finally, you know, I'm I'm a little slow sometimes, but I feel like I really am. <laughs> no, I I feel like I'm really feel so blessed to be able to feel like I'm starting to understand that, and that I get to be a part of that, and especially with your dad, that we get to be a part of the gathering of Israel and sharing the gospel with other people. Yeah, that's so special. I have two more questions for you. They're both fairly brief, but the first of the two is, what is your advice to someone listening to this who might feel something, who might feel like maybe this is something we need to consider? And they're, you know, whether it's a young mission, somebody looking at being a young missionary or a senior missionary, if they're thinking about wanting to serve a mission, what's your advice to them? Uh, My advice would be, to set a plan. Even if your plan is for the future, for years ahead, if you're a senior missionary thinking about doing it, because plans like ours can, can be accelerated. And um, if, if you make a plan, you'll make it happen if you really want it to happen. Um, whether you're a senior missionary or a young missionary, the tool of the gathering of Israel is the Book of Mormon. My advice would be to read the Book of Mormon and do what it tells us to do in 
Moroni chapter 10, verse 4. Read it with a sincere heart, with real intent and having faith in Jesus Christ. And if we pray to Heavenly Father, the truths of the Book of Mormon will be revealed to us. And if you do that, you will want to serve a mission because you will realize what Mom and, and I realize, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, as it has been restored, um, is the most important thing on the earth. And, and teaching that to people, gathering Israel, is in fact that most important thing. So that's the advice I would give people. And if if you're a young man or a young woman and you want to do it and you read the Book of Mormon, I believe that you'll prepare yourself to go. Thanks, Dad. What's your advice, Mom? Um, it, it would be right along in line with your day, you know, <laughs> we always laugh about when our kids need something from us and we try to give them advice that your dad will say he gave them a certain piece of advice. And I'll say, yeah, I talked to them earlier and I told them almost the same exact thing. <laughs> so I think we think a lot alike, but yeah, prepare, just prepare. I mean, and, and really set a date and whether you're young or old, set a date. We have good friends that we talked to today, Bob and Diane Lake, who they're such good examples to us because they were, you know, they, he retired. It seemed like a little early, Bob did. And, um, and we were just so proud of them for making the decision to go on a mission a couple of years ago and, and just going, because it's really easy to say, yeah, like we did for years. And I think the Lord knew that too. I think he knew for us, I think, I mean, we, there are so many things we haven't discussed tonight that, that I think we know that this is the right time for us to go. Um, we do know that, but I think the Lord knew too, you know, we have a really comfortable life. We, we've been blessed with so much and we have discussed so many times that the Lord's blessed us with so much. And because he's blessed us with so much, as it says in the scriptures, a lot is required of us too. Mm -hmm. And we feel like this is the very smallest thing we can do to give back to the Lord. But if you don't plan for it, um, it won't happen. So you have to plan for it. You have to set a date. You have to say, this is when we're going to go. And like your dad said, it may happen earlier for you. So, so be ready, you know, be ready. Okay, this is my last question for you guys. Mom's already heard this before. But my last question that I ask everyone is, if there's one message you want people to remember from this podcast episode, what do you want that one message to be? Wow, that's, that's a tough question. That the gospel of Jesus Christ has been restored to the earth. And that wonderful message is being sent to the world through the missionary program of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the Book of Mormon is a testament of Jesus Christ. And every one of those missionaries will have a copy of that amazing book in their hand. And they, they're spreading it throughout the world. And that message is, in fact, the most important message that we can ever share with people. Thanks, Dad. I think that the the feelings we've had in our hearts for the last couple of years and um, didn't just come overnight. The answers that we received came because we were seeking for those answers. And 
And I think that um, if there's one message that I have felt, especially the last few weeks as we've prepared, one of the things that has just kept coming to my mind over and over again is that Heavenly Father, that the hand of God is in our lives and that that he has given us so many little people that have come into our lives, experiences we've been able to have. And I think he does this for all of us if we listen and if we are looking for answers and if we're sincerely, if we want to, to hear what the Lord wants for us, if we want to do his will, he directs and guides us and he answers our prayers. He, he'll he direct us and tell us, this is what I want you to do now. This is, this is a blessing I want to give to you. This is a direction I want you to go. Um, he's always, he's always there. He's always trying to, he's always there for us. And if we, if we just take that time to be still and to listen, he'll tell us what he wants us to do. And if we follow the Lord's way, that's always the best way. It's always the best way. It may not be the most convenient thing in our lives. Um, I think for us, it's, it's not the most convenient thing to do to go on a mission right now. It's not convenient for career, for grant, for your career. It's not convenient and, and comfortable for our family at this time, um, in many ways, but it's what the Lord wants us to do. And, and we know that, and we, we are doing this because we have a conviction and a deep and abiding testimony of the Savior. And we want to share that with other people. We want other people to feel the joy that we feel in living the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful for your examples um, and for your sacrifice and for, you know, teaching us by example that when you ask the Lord, you have to be, you have to have the courage, have the guts to listen to what he says and actually do it. And I'm grateful for your examples for doing that. So um, if people want to follow along with your mission and see your experiences and see what you guys are up to as missionaries in Barcelona, Spain, where can they find you? <laughs> um, I have a whole hundred followers on my Instagram. So you want to, <laughs> you want to follow mom for sure. Um, on a bountiful kitchen, bountifulkitchen.com. Well, we have a page set up on bountifulkitchen.com that will be for the mission and uh, we'll update that. Um, and then on a bountiful kitchen on Instagram. So awesome. Thanks so much, you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Corinne. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.